Chapter Nineteen of the Lion's Skin by Raphael Sabatini. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The End of Lord Ostermore. In the anteroom communicating with Lord Ostermore's bedroom, the Countess was in consultation with Rotherby, who had been summoned by his mother when my lord was stricken. Her ladyship occupied the window seat. Rotherby stood beside her, leaning slightly against the frame of the open window their conversation was earnest and conducted in a low key and one would naturally have conjectured that it had for subject the dangerous condition of the earl and so it had the dangerous condition of the earl's political if not physical affairs to her ladyship and her son the matter of their own future was of greater gravity than the matter of whether his lordship lived or died which whatever it may be is not unreasonable since the impeachment of my lord and the coming of the messengers to arrest him the danger of ruin and beggary were become more imminent indeed they impended and measures must be concerted to avert these evils by comparison with that the earl's succumbing or surviving was a trivial matter and the concern they had manifested in sir james news when the important well-nourished physician who had bled his lordship came to inform them that there was hope was outward only and assumed for pure decorum's sake whether he lives or dies said the viscount pertinently after the doctor had departed to return to his patient the measures to be taken are the same and he repeated the substance of their earlier discussions upon this same topic if we can but secure the evidence of his treason with carroll he wound up i shall be able to make terms with lord carteret to arrest the proceedings the government may intend and thus avert the restitution it would otherwise enforce but if he were to die said her ladyship as coldly horribly calculating as though he were none of hers there would be an end to this danger they could not demand restitution of the dead nor impose fines upon him rotherby shook his head believe not that madam said he they can demand restitution of his heirs and impose their fines upon the estate twas done in the case of chancellor craggs though he shot himself she raised a haggard face to his and do you dream that lord carteret would make terms with you if i can show him by actual proof that a conspiracy does exist that the stuart supporters are plotting a rising proof of that should be of value to lord carteret of sufficient value to the government to warrant the payment of the paltry price i ask that the impeachment against my father for his dealings with the south sea company shall not be allowed but it might involve the worst betrayal of your father charles and if he were to live death mother why must you harp on that i ain't the fool you think me he cried i shall make it a further condition that my father have immunity 
there will be no lack of victims once the plot is disclosed and they may begin upon that coxcomb carol the damned meddler who is at the bottom of all this garboil she sat bemused her eyes upon the sunlit gardens below where a faint breeze was stirring the shrub tops there is she said presently a secret drawer somewhere in his desk if he has papers they will no doubt be there had you not best be making search for them he smiled darkly i have seen to that already he replied how excitedly you have got the papers no but i have set an experienced hand to find them and one moreover who has the right by virtue of his warrant the messenger of the secretary of state she sat up rigid sdeath what is it you mean no need for alarm he reassured her this fellow green is in my pay as well as in the secretary's and it will profit him most to keep faith with me he's a self-seeking dog content to run with the hare and hunt with the hounds so that there be profit in it and he'd sacrifice his ears to bring mr carroll to the gallows i have promised him that and a thousand pounds if we save the estates from confiscation she looked at him between wonder and fear can you trust him she asked breathlessly he laughed softly and confidently i can trust him to earn a thousand pounds he answered when he heard of the impeachment he used such influence as he has to be entrusted with the arrest of his lordship and having obtained his warrant he came first to me to tell me of it a thousand pounds is the price of him body and soul i bade him seek not only evidence of my lord's having received that plaguy stock but also papers relating to this jacobite plot into which his lordship has been drawn by our friend carroll he is at his work at present and i shall hear from him when it is accomplished she nodded slowly thoughtfully you have very well disposed charles she approved him if your father lives it should not be a difficult matter she checked suddenly and turned while rotherby too looked up and stepped quickly from the window embrasure where he had stood the door of the bedroom had been suddenly pulled open and sir james came out very pale and discomposed madam your lordship my lord he gasped his mouth working his hands waving foolishly the countess rose to confront him tall severe and harsh the viscount scowled a question sir james quailed before them evidently in affliction madam his lordship he said and by his eloquent gesture of dejection announced what he had some difficulty in putting into words she stepped forward and took him by the wrist is he dying she inquired have courage madam the doctor besought her 
the apparent irrelevancy of the request at such a moment angered her her mood was dangerously testy and had the doctor but known it sympathy was a thing she had not borne well these many years i asked you was he dying she reminded him with a cold sternness that beat aside all his attempts at subterfuge your ladyship he is dead he faltered with lowered eyes dead she echoed dully and her hand went to the region of her heart her face turned livid under its rouge dead she said again and behind her rotherby echoed the dread word in a stupor almost equal to her own her lips moved to speak but no words came she staggered where she stood and put her hand to her brow her son's arms were quickly about her he supported her to a chair where she sank as if all her joints were loosened sir james flew for restoratives bathed her brow with a dampened handkerchief held strong salts to her nostrils and murmured words of foolish banal consolation whilst rotherby in a half-dreaming condition stunned by the suddenness of the blow stood beside her mechanically lending his assistance and supporting her gradually she mastered her agitation it was odd that she should feel so much at losing what she valued so little leastways it would have been odd had it been that it was not it was something more in the awful august presence of death stepped so suddenly into their midst she felt herself appalled for nigh upon thirty years she had been bound by legal and churchly ties in a loveless union with lord ostermore married for the handsome portion that had been hers a portion which he had gamed away and squandered until for their station their circumstances were now absolutely straitened they had led a harsh discordant life and the coming of a son which should have bridged the loveless gulf between them seemed but to have served to dig it wider and the son had been just the harsh unfeeling offspring that might be looked for from such a union thirty years of slavery had been her ladyship's and in those thirty years her nature had been soured and warped and what inherent sweetness it may once have known had long since been smothered and destroyed she had no cause to love that man who had never loved her never loved aught of hers beyond her jointure and yet there was the habit of thirty years for thirty years they had been yoke-fellows however detestable the yoke but yesterday he had been alive and strong a stupid querulous thing maybe but a living and now he was so much carrion that should be given to the earth in some such channel ran her ladyship's reflections during those few seconds in which she was recovering for an instant she was softened 
the long-since dried-up springs of tenderness seemed like to push anew under the shock of this event she put out a hand to take her son's charles she said and surprised him by the tender note a moment thus then she was herself again how did he die she asked the doctor and the abruptness of the resumption of her usual manner startled sir james more than aught in his experience of such scenes it was most sudden madam answered he i had the best grounds for hope i was being persuaded we should save him and then quite suddenly without an instant's warning he succumbed he just heaved a sigh and was gone i could scarcely believe my senses madam he would have added more particulars of his feelings and emotions for he was of those who believe that their own impressions of a phenomenon are that phenomenon's most interesting manifestations but her ladyship waved him peremptorily into silence he drew back washing his hands in the air an expression of polite concern upon his face is there aught else i can do to be of service to your ladyship he inquired solicitous what else she asked with a fuller return to her old self you've killed him what more is there you can do oh madam nay madam i am most deeply grieved that my my his lordship will wait upon you to the door said she designating her son the eminent physician effaced himself from her ladyship's attention it was his boast that he could take a hint when one was given him and so he could provided it were broad enough as in the present instance he gathered up his hat and gold-headed cane the unfailing insignia of his order and was gone swiftly and silently rotherby closed the door after him and returned slowly head bowed to the window where his mother was still seated they looked at each other gravely for a long moment this makes matters easier for you she said at length much easier it does not matter now how far his complicity may be betrayed by his papers i am glad madam to see you so far recovered from your weakness she shivered as much perhaps at his tone as at the recollections he evoked you are very indifferent charles said she he looked at her steadily then slightly shrugged what need to wear a mask bah did he ever give me cause to feel for him he asked mother if one day i have a son of my own i shall see to it that he loves me you will be hard put to it with your nature charles she told him critically then she rose will you go to him with me she asked he made as if to acquiesce then halted no he said and there was repugnance in his tone and face not not now there came a knocking at the door rapid insistent 
Grateful for the interruption, Rotherby went to open. Mr. Green staggered forward with swollen eyes, his face inflamed with rage, and with something else that was not quite apparent to Rotherby. "'My lord!' he cried in a loud, angry voice. Rotherby caught his wrist and checked him. "'Sh, sir,' he said gravely, "'not here,' and he pushed him out again, her ladyship following them. It was in the gallery, above the hall, in which the servants still stood idly about, that Mr. Green spattered out his wrathful tale of what had befallen in the library. Rotherby shook him as if he had been a rat. "'You cursed fool!' he cried. "'You left him there, at the desk?' "'What help had I?' demanded Green, with spirit. "'My eyes were on fire!' I couldn't see, and the pain of them made me helpless. Then why did you not send word to me at once, you fool? Because I was concerned only to stop my eyes from burning, answered Mr. Green in a towering rage at finding reproof where he had come in quest of sympathy. I have come to you at the first moment. Damn you! he burst out in full rebellion, and you'll use me civilly now that I am come, or, ecod, it'll be the worse for your lordship. Rotherby considered him through a faint mist that rage had set before his eyes. To be so spoken to, damned indeed, by a dirty spy, had he been alone with the man, there can be little doubt but that he would have jeopardized his very precarious future by kicking Mr. Green downstairs. But his mother saved him from that rashness. It may be that she saw something of his anger in his kindling eye and thought it well to intervene. She set a hand on his sleeve. Charles, she said to him in a voice that was dead cold with warning. He responded to it, and chose discretion. He looked green over, nevertheless. "'I vow I'm very patient with you,' said he, and green had the discretion on his side to hold his tongue. "'Come, man, while we stand talking here, that knave may be destroying precious evidence.' And his lordship went quickly down the stairs, Mr. Green following hard upon his heels, and her ladyship bringing up the rear. At the door of the library, Rotherby came to a halt and turned the handle. The door was locked. He beckoned a couple of footmen across the hall and bade them break it open. End of chapter 19